Hey, this is Stephen A. Smith from No Mercy. Festivals, football, flannels. Some say fall is their favorite time of year. And this fall, there are now updated COVID-19 booster shots designed to help protect against COVID-19 variants. If you've had your primary series, schedule an updated COVID-19 booster shot appointment as soon as you're eligible. And don't forget to enjoy the foliage sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Goalie Nutrition makes health simple and delicious. This time of year, make sure you set yourself up for success with our amazing world's first ACV gummies. For restorative rest, your sleep gummies. Or support overall wellness with our entire line of amazing, healthy, and wholesome products. Goalie Nutrition. Taste your goals. Available online at goalie.com or at a retailer near you. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. The winter meetings. What a freaking winter meetings 2022. Welcome to Rico Bronia. The winter meetings have concluded. And I got to hand it to Major League Baseball. Uh, we had a great winter meetings. We had a lot of action, a lot of rumor, a lot of signings. Uh, I think this was the closest outside of the lockout last year, which was a weird year, the closest we've ever had to MLB feeling like the NBA and feeling like the NFL in terms of the amount of moves made in a short period of time. Uh, It doesn't mean we're done with the offseason. There's obviously a lot of questions surrounding the Mets, specifically how they round out this rotation, if they can keep Brandon Nimmo, if they lose Brandon Nimmo, how they replace Brandon Nimmo, and obviously continuing to fill out this bullpen. So it wasn't like we're done, which sometimes feels like the case in the NBA, a weekend of free agency or the NFL, but we got a lot of action. It obviously started with the sad news, at least what I thought was sad, what Hoff thought was sad, the loss of Jacob deGrom, the quick pivot towards Justin Verlander. And on Wednesday, as the winter meetings ended, obviously all the attention was around Aaron Judge. That was finally settled. Judge staying with the New York Yankees, but a very intriguing day for the Mets. And really, it kind of started Tuesday night because you started to see a couple of arms coming off the board. We'll start with Jamison Tyone. Jamison Tyone was a guy, I have to admit, over the last 48 hours, I talked myself into. I started to say, I think I might like bringing in Jamison Tyone. He's been healthy the last two years for the most part and has been getting better and better. So the thought I had was, you know what? Maybe that's going to continue to progress for him. Obviously, he comes off the board. He signs a big contract with Chicago. As soon as I see the numbers, I say, okay, I'm good. All right. I talked myself into it, but I'm all right moving on. Then you see Taiwan Walker. And I tweeted out there, this sucks. And I want to make clear what I meant by that. I don't think Taiwan Walker is going to come back and kill the Mets. And I think we kind of assume Ty wasn't going to come back. I think the contract he got is fine. Nothing against the money he's getting. Uh, I'm not even a killer of his second halves, which seems to be a very easy talking point for Met fans. I thought we disproved that a little bit during the end of the season on the Rico, that his second half this year was not that bad. He had one horrible start against Atlanta. But if you look at his second half numbers, at least this season, he basically pitched to a high three ERA. He wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. I thought it sucked just because he's going to the Phillies. And even though I think he may struggle in that ballpark, he does not have good career numbers at Citizens Bank Park, I like him. You know, Ty was one of those guys you watch him pitch every five days the last two years, comes across like a likable guy. I don't want to sit there rooting against him, and we do. You know, it's not the Grom, but 
He's a likable guy. I'd rather have seen him go to Seattle or go to Texas or go to Anaheim or go to really any random American League city. But I'm not afraid of Taiwan Walker. But he comes off the board, not a surprise. And then as Wednesday begins, and obviously all the attention is around Aaron Judge, and really the only impact that has on us is that the Yankees are not realistic suitors for Brandon Nemo. I just doubt they're going to be spending that kind of money. Out of nowhere, we get the Quintana signing, which I love. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about Quintana, but I think, Pete, you mentioned him at one point in the last few weeks. And it was quick, so it wasn't something we discussed deep. But I remember telling you, I like Quintana. I I was really impressed. I was going to say turned on, but that's weird. Um, (laughs) What's the word I'm looking for? It's not even impressed. I was really encouraged by how good he was in the second half of this season. He obviously had a really good year with Pittsburgh and St. Louis. If you look at his overall numbers, he went out, he made just about every start through 170 innings, something like that. But in the second half of the year, after he's traded to St. Louis in the midst of a pennant race, he was utterly brilliant. And I've always had this feeling, it doesn't always work out, where lefties are just late to develop. And I can't say Quintana hasn't developed because remember for the first five years of his career, when he was with the White Sox, he was one of those guys that you would have had to have given up a small country to acquire, you know, 25 year old controllable lefty who makes 30 starts a year with those 200 innings a year and everything sort of changed right around the pandemic, because even though he wasn't great, in 2019, he wasn't great in 2018. He still went out and made every start. Every five days, guy went out and made starts. Uh, those two years weren't great after he was traded to the Chicago Cubs. But again, really, really reliable. Uh, in 2020, he barely pitches. In 2021, I can't explain it. I mean, the guy was released. The guy, the guy sucked. He wasn't any good. I think he was dealing with one injury, but for the most part, had a real loss season And 2022, he got back on the ball. But I think his resume, to me at least, is of a guy that I think 19 and 20, or I should say 20 and 21, are outliers. I really do. I mean, the guy's gone out and made 30 starts a lot of times in his career. And he was so good down the stretch. He was good in the postseason. Let's not forget that. I know the Cardinals got eliminated quickly, so it's easy to forget. But he went toe-to-toe with Zach Wheeler in game one of that wild card series. So Quintana was not just good last year. I thought he was great last year. And again, as a lefty, I'm encouraged that the Mets could get a couple of really productive years out of him. And so when they signed him, I looked at the contract. We all did two years, 26 compared it to Taiwan Walker's contract. It's not even close. And I got to tell you right now, I think I prefer Quintana over Walker. It has nothing to do with the contract. A lot of it has to do with the track record. Um, the fact he's a lefty, the fact that he was so good down the stretch, like the opposite of Taiwan Walker, right? Even though I've defended his second half last year, I admit his second half wasn't as good as his first half. Quintana was fine in the first half with the Pirates. Don't get me wrong. He was solid, mid-three ERA. But with St. Louis, he was something else. So if it's a replacement, and I have every reason to believe that it is, I don't think Quintana's replacing Bassett. But if you view it as... Quintana's replacing Taiwan Walker as a back of the rotation guy. You tell me if I'm wrong here, Pete. I think that is a forget the finances on it. That's a clear upgrade, in my opinion. Am I wrong? 
No, you're not wrong. And and a couple things here that you we could have. Let's put it this way: a couple of the options that were out there. Um, Andrew Heaney, for one, who he did sign, he went to this team team that we don't even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> uh, in somewhere in the in the uh, West, but anyway, they um he was someone who I thought. Billy Epler was going to jump all over because of his history with the Angels and someone that we've always heard about stuff. And last year, he kind of found something. And they signed a very similar contract, too. So it could have been one of those two guys, very similar contract. However, like you said with Quintana, the guy's got the history. Heaney, we saw it last year for the first time ever. Quintana has those first years where it wasn't a question. Like, you're right. You said they had to trade a small small uh, country for him. No question. Guy was good. So he's older. You know, I do question now the fact that the top four pitchers are average, what, 37 and a half years old? Right. That is a little that, – that's a little worrisome. But if I had to go with choice and I feel like someone can be reliable down the stretch, I think it's I think Quintana's the guy. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it is there's uncertainty, and I, I still have a little bit of uncertainty about how many pitchers they felt the need to add. And I think we talked about this on the Verlander podcast. Are they just adding someone to replace Chris Bassett, or were they viewing, hey, we're going to replace Bassett, or keep Chris Bassett, obviously, and replace Taiwan Walker? And I threw out the idea of having a six-man rotation, and obviously David Peterson and Tyler McGill are guys you want to factor in. I think we also have to consider that if they're going to add another starter, and they clearly are, that they may trade one of the starting pitchers that they have. And there's really only three options. Carlos Carrasco, and I don't think it's crazy to trade him. You know, it's a very affordable one-year deal. But again, if the Mets are looking to, and I don't want to say save money because it makes it seem like they're the Wilpons. They're not. Their payroll is touching $300 million. But if they're looking to save money in one area, you could absolutely think of the idea of, hey, let's trade Carlos Carrasco on a one-year $15 million deal. You could also trade David Peterson, which I am not a fan of because I don't think we've seen the best of him. Same thing with Tyler McGill. But their aggressiveness in adding starters makes me think that one of those three guys, probably Carrasco, but you can't rule out Peterson, who probably has good value, could be on the trade market. Because here's where they are right now. They've replaced Taiwan Walker with Jose Quintana. They have replaced Jacob DeGrom with Justin Verlander. They obviously still have Carrasco on the roster. They still have Scherzer on the roster. So it leads towards... Real life is not a game. If you get behind the wheel intoxicated, you're gambling with your life and the lives of others. Play it safe and designate a sober driver. Learn more at chpddp.com. This message is brought to you by the California Highway Patrol. If they're replacing Bassett or keeping Bassett, and I think they are, Cody Senga will get more into him in a second, but they're also still looking at a guy like Ross Stripling. That makes me think they may go six-man, sure. They may just say, we need as much depth as possible. But it also could lead to trading Carrasco or Peterson or McGill. I think right now, when you look at this rotation, which is going to be the strength of this team going on paper, needs to be the strength of this team is the thing that would make it a contender, the idea that Verlander and Scherzer could at least for one more year give you dominance as Hall of Fame aces. They have to replace Chris Bassett. Quintana wasn't signed to replace Chris Bassett. He wasn't signed to be a third starter. They don't view Carrasco as a third starter. So even though I think sometimes 
calling a guy a third starter or a fourth starter or number two is kind of overrated for the sake of an offseason discussion. It's not because you're trying to frame out how your rotation kind of looks. They're going to sign a third starter. Chris Bassett and re-signing him is not the worst thing in the world, especially when you look back at how reliable he's been over the last three seasons, two in Oakland, obviously this last year with the Mets. I've grown to just forget about the comments he made. I just, the more I think about it, I think he was trying to be honest about his feelings towards New York. I don't think they were next necessarily negative. They came across clunky. They came across kind of out of touch, but I don't think it's a sign that he can't pitch here. I don't necessarily think that him struggling against the Padres in that wild card game means, wow, he can't just handle New York. So I'm looking more at the reliability of Chris Bassett. I think he's a reliable guy. Look at the last three years. With that said, my preference remains Kode Senga. Kode Senga would make this rotation, and I think it balances itself well if they get Senga, but the appeal of him is the mystery of how good he can be. While Bassett may be the safer choice, and he is, based on the last three years, Senga's the sexier choice. He's the sexier choice because he could be better. Because there's not a wild scenario where Kode Senga becomes the best pitcher on this team. Now, obviously, I'm not comparing his potential resume to Scherzer and Verlander. I'm just saying at 30, because he's a lot younger, coming over to America where hitters are seeing him for the first time with a 101-mile-an-hour pitch and this, what's that nickname he has for his pitch? I forget it. The, uh, <laughs> I forgot. He's got I some cool no nickname. The ghost pitch, I think. The ghost ball. The ghost ball, that was it. <laughs> he could be great. Like, I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, that's the appealing part about him. He could be brilliant. He could be better than a number three. So I'm intrigued by him now. The floor on him is going to be a lot lower because he's coming over from Japan, because there's questions of if he has a third or fourth pitch. Could he actually get through hitters a third time around the order and be effective and be a dominant starting pitcher in America? There's uncertainty to that. So I do think Bassett's the safer choice, but Senga gives you that bigger reward. And because you have Quintana who I'd feel comfortable with. And assuming you have Carrasco, who you'd feel comfortable with, and you got two old aces, you hope they can stay somewhat healthy. But like we talked about last time, could they actually be less healthy than Scherzer and DeGrom from a year ago? I hope not, because they barely pitched when you add up the amount of starts made by those two. I think it allows you to be a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more riskier. And so my choice as I sit here today, wrapping up the winter meetings, is Kode Senga with Chris Bassett as my backup plan. So you said something which is oddly weird to me because I don't see it this way. What? You say Chris Bassett's the safer bet. Yes. Now, first of all, we both can agree Chris, Chris Bassett's probably going to earn himself a closer to – he's going to fall in somewhere between a Walker and a Carlos Rodon type contract, which I'm saying is about five years. Is yeah. that fair to say? I think he's going to make, to your point, more than what Walker and Tyone recently got. Yes, I agree. Right. So to me, unless there's like a third-year club option where we could just say, uh, get out of here – that's not a safe bet because you're now going someone who's 34 years old already, 30, going to be 35, I don't know, something around those lines, where you're going five years with the older guy again. 
Sanga has that five year, like if it's a five year deal you make with them, you're there with a, a if he's good, it's a prime five years. And like you said, the guy his ceiling is higher. Plus, the pressure's not on him. You have two aces ahead of him. We could we could make fun of the fact that Scherzer's 37 or 38 and Verlander's 40. It doesn't make a difference. They still are aces. They're professionals. You're not going to sit there and, and, so, and, and you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I, I want to. Here's what I counter on the Bassett age thing because obviously he's not young. He's 33 years old, but he's going to be 34 before the season starts. So for the sake of this, he's a 34-year-old starting pitcher, and you may be right that he gets a five-year deal. I don't think that's crazy. 34, 35, 36, 37, 38. You have him signed to at least 38. Completely fair. I think sometimes we get too caught up in how old a guy is and not, well, how many innings has he thrown? And I always made that point about DeGrom uh, when we were arguing, not us, not you and I, but arguing on the fan about the first extension that he got. Because there was a lot of concern. Wow, look how old he is. How many years do you want to give him? And the argument I always made about Jake is he hasn't thrown a lot of innings. So, yeah, he's older. But let's look at the wear and tear on the uh, on the mileage, if you will. It's like, uh, look at the mileage. Chris Bassett has thrown 737 major league innings. That is not a big number. So he almost has the mileage of a guy who's 28. You know, so I view him a little bit differently. It doesn't mean I want to give him a five-year deal. I understand the risks around that. And I agree with what you said. I said it before. I think Senga does have the, the kind of the higher reward. But I do think Chris Bassett, since 2020, over the last 68 starts, going back to 2020, because I know 2020 isn't a full season, but he basically pitched the entire 21 season and pitched all of last year. So we've got two and a half years, a little less than two and a half years as a sample size of Chris Bassett. He's been really good. Like, it isn't up and down. It isn't this year was good, this year was bad. He's legitimately been really good for three consecutive years. And he's one of those guys who didn't become a regular every five-day rotation member until he was 30. So I I wouldn't want to give him a five-year deal. I get why that's not appealing. I also like the flexibility. But you're going to have to give Kode Senga a five-year deal. And Senga hasn't thrown – he's actually thrown a lot more innings than Chris Bassett when you think about the mileage on one's arm. So that's my defensive Bassett as a backup plan and that, yes, he's 34 – but we do have to factor he just hasn't thrown that many innings in his major league career. Right, which is partly why, again, you were saying DeGrom at this age is different than some other 34-year-old. But listen, that bygones be bygones. But, but by the way, to keep, keep this in mind, let me just give you this number. Kode Senga, and this isn't completely fair, so I'll try to make it fair in a second, but Kode Senga became a, you know, a Jap- Japanese professional baseball pitcher when he was 19 years old. Right. He has thrown, you ready for this, 1,300 innings in his career. So Almost despite, double Bassett. Yeah. Now, I have to include Bassett's minor league innings just to be fair about that. Like, I can't just give you 630 and call it a day. So it's a little bit higher. But Senga's 29. So he's five years younger, but the mileage on his arm, far different than Chris Bassett. So my big concern right now, and we're talking about like you know Bassett as we're not making it. We're still going Senga over Bassett, the two of, yeah. two of us, and I like that. Yeah. But the issue that I'm having here is, say if Senga is too expensive, we don't want to go that route, so we'll go. We'll d- defer to Bassett, feel comfortable. I don't know the direction 
of my ball club because now you have five guys, unless you trade Carrasco, that are in their mid to late 30s, most of them with small contracts. What is the bull, What is the rotation going to look like in two years from now, three years from now? I, that, I'm all worried. Don't be worried about that. I'll tell you why. Um, Steve Cohen is, I think, proving to us he's going to spend a lot of money. Now, we may want him to buy different guys. That's always going to be a debate. I totally get that. But what they did with Verlander and still have with Scherzer and would have with Carrasco if he's back and have with Quintana because it's only a two-year deal is they have everything coming off the books in two years. Their rotation is going to look different. I'm not arguing that. But they're going to have money to spend. They're just going to buy new pitchers. I mean, in the meantime, you hope you're going to develop some arms. It's it's not sustainable, or you're going to have just a $500 million payroll to not develop your own guys and have guys that are really good that aren't making a lot of money, kind of like most of the Astro rotation. But in the short term, you ride Verlander for, for two years, hoping he still has a lot left, hoping. You ride Scherzer for maybe one year, because he always could opt out. You've got Quintana. You've got Carrasco. We'll see about Bassett or Senga, but I can't worry about two years because two years from now, they're going to have $84 million cleared just by Scherzer and Verlander not being here. And they're going to reinvest it. As I've told you, there's a lot of really appealing pitchers that are a agents, not just next year, but the year after that and the year after that. 